following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. I'm really glad to be able to hear voices say good morning back. I couldn't get the back of my phone to talk to me when we're live streaming from home, so... Um, it's very clear uh, to me that we're going through a hard time. Um, global pandemic, riots and protests, conspiracy theories, hate and fear abound. We can't ignore that. We can't uh, Although sometimes we make light of it, we still cannot ignore that reality. Well, in Mark chapter 8, we're going to look at this morning, the disciples are also having a hard time. Like us, they had difficulty interpreting uh, what was going on around them. They'd seen some amazing things like we have. They'd done some amazing things like we have. But they still had trouble staying on track with what was really happening, like we do. What their role was or was to be, they still struggled with. And they still struggled with who Jesus really is. And we have to consider, are we really any different? Is our warning from the Lord any different here in this text? Are the questions he posed to the disciples any different than they are for us? So we're going to look at Mark chapter 8, verses 11 through 21, which is page 843 in the Pew Bibles. And we're going to consider Jesus' warning to the disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod as well as his barrage of questions for his disciples about bread. So let's look at Mark 8, start of verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit. And he said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he says, 
Do you not yet understand? Let's pray together. Father, again, as we turn to your word, we pray that your spirit would speak to us, that our ears would be open, our eyes would be open, and our hearts would be soft. As we consider these things this morning, Lord, I pray that you would rend our hearts to be more like yours. That we would begin to see things as you see things. That our observation of the things around us would see your spirit at work. Your will being worked out in the world. So, Lord, give us wisdom as we listen hard for your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Before I go any further, I do want to apologize for the confusion about uh, service this morning. Uh, We were given some uh, guidance documents from the state, and then uh, the state decided to do something different, and that turned out to just be a draft. So I apologize for all of that uh, confusion this week on our Facebook page and on the email, but uh, we'll do the best that we can to continue um, to roll with it. We're subject to the ruling authorities that God himself has put in place over us. And right now, uh, the state is very careful to give guidelines as to how we can gather. So um, we're going to do the best that we can. I'm just glad to be able to be in the same place as someone other than my family. (sighs) Not that they're not great. All right, so once again, here we find Jesus and his disciples on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And here in this account, Jesus was confronted by a group of Pharisees seeking a sign from heaven. Now, it is important to understand these Pharisees were not just looking for a miracle, show us something spectacular to entertain us. That's not what they're after. Um, They had already witnessed miracles. They had already seen and heard of what Jesus had been doing. In fact, Mark, the the author of this gospel, even uses a different word for miracle when Jesus performed miracles. They were looking for a sign, and they use a different word for that, a sign from heaven. So what were these Pharisees really after? They're not saying, I've got a cold and I want to feel better, so fix it. I have a disease. Fix it. That's not what they wanted. What the Pharisees were after was messianic proof. They say uh, they wanted to. What they wanted Jesus to prove that he was really Messiah. Now consider, for Jesus, this was another temptation in the wilderness. Jesus was tempted here to depart from the Father's program, to depart from the way of pain and sacrifice, and choose a path of political salvation instead of spiritual salvation. I hope that doesn't sound too familiar to you. Many of us are faced with this same temptation today, to trust in the ways of the world, to vote the right way, to protest the right things, to support the right cause, to count on politics, to make the world right again, instead of trusting in the Lord, 
and counting on the gospel to make the difference in the world. The world needs to trust Jesus and accept his sacrifice for their sins in order for anything to really change. When faced with this test from the Pharisees, this demand for a sign from heaven, Jesus is forced to make a difficult choice. And he sighs deeply in his spirit. I can only imagine. His sigh is the sigh of silent resolution to enter the path of tribulation. He knew what was ahead. If he had given in and said, okay, guys, here you go. Fire from heaven, just like Elijah, just like the old days, right? If he had given in, no doubt the Pharisees would have used Jesus, Messiah, as a political pawn to further control and exploit the people. But that was not the Father's design. That was not the Christ's purpose. This conflict was the first step down the path of scorn and rejection, of betrayal and suffering and salvation. The Pharisees here were hypocritically offering Jesus a way out. You don't have to do it that way. They didn't know what the way was. They're offering a different way. But it was a way that betrayed the Father's will. A way that would only further the way of the Pharisee, the way of outward religion and empty ritual and control. But praise God, Jesus stood firm. Verse 12 says, He sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew expanded a little bit. He wrote that no sign would be given this generation except the sign of Jonah, a detail that Mark elected to leave out. It's not a contradiction. It's a choice and purpose of the writing of the gospel. What is the sign of Jonah? Anybody remember what happened to Jonah? He got eaten by a fish. Is that the sign? He's three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. Right? So would Jesus spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The only sign that generation would receive to prove that Jesus is Messiah was his resurrection from the dead. He gave them a sign. And did they believe? No, they did not. So from here, Jesus and the disciples get in the boat to sail for the other side. And they're faced with the same problem. It feels like we have talked about since for the last month. They're dealing with a shortage of bread. More bread problems. Verse 14. Now they had forgotten to bring bread. And they only had one loaf with them in the boat. And Jesus cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. 
And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Now, something to keep in mind at this point is very important. So listen very closely. The disciples are idiots. They had yet to figure out that Jesus was usually talking about more than just what you could see on the surface. He warned them about the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, but they assumed that he was talking about their lack of bread and started pointing fingers at each other as to whose job it was to go grocery shopping and who neglected their duty. And they only had one loaf of bread with them in the boat. So, why did they make this incorrect connection? Jesus said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they said, oh, he's talking about the fact that we got nothing to eat. There's no bread here. So, that might not make any sense to you if you don't know what leaven is. So, what is it? Leaven is yeast. It's a key ingredient for making bread. Uh, it's what makes bread rise and form all the little air pockets where the peanut butter and jelly goes. Right? Now, Jesus uses the picture of leaven several times in the Gospels, and Paul also refers to it in his writings. Now, I want to be very clear because it's been a teaching of the church outside of Scripture, I think, that leaven always represents sin. Whenever anybody's talking about leaven, it's sin. That's not true. Jesus uh, doesn't always use it that way. Leaven does not always represent sin in Scripture. So when we take uh, communion and serve bread and the juice, it's okay to have leaven in that bread. You can use white bread or hamburger buns or whatever uh, for that. It's not uh, saying Jesus has sin. That's um, incorrect interpretation of Scripture. Leaven doesn't always represent sin, but it does always represent an invisible, pervasive influence, something that works its way all the way through the lump of dough, and affects the whole thing. Now, I'm sure that some of you here make bread or have made bread before. And when you make a loaf of bread, how much yeast you put in? A cup and a half, right? Half a gallon. They slide this much, right? And it works its way all the way through the whole lump of bread, a dough, and then it makes it rise. It was always wonderful when my mom would make bread and they set it on the cook stove to rise. It was a miracle. She'd put a lump on there and with a towel over it. And pretty soon, there's a great big pile growing down onto the floor and out of control. It went better than that. Just kidding. So when we think about this leaven, this uh, small but pervasive influence, and apply that to the Pharisees and to Herod. What is that? Well, they're not really two things. It's not like the leaven of the Pharisees is this thing and the leaven of Herod is something different. They're really two sides of the same coin. It's similar pieces of the puzzle. 
That coin is the coin that says, all that matters is what's on the outside. All that matters is what you see on the outside. For the Pharisees, their doctrine said, all God wants is our performance. Follow our religious rules and you will be acceptable to God. That's how you do it. You earn your way in. Now for Herod, the other side of the coin, his doctrine said, all that matters is what people think. All that matters is what people think of you. And if you're accepted by people, then you're good. It's all about what's on the outside. Nothing to do with what's on the heart. Nothing to do with the function of the spirit. Both of these doctrines are still pervasive in the church. And they both still lead to spiritual dullness and death. But Jesus offers the disciples another way. A different way out. And thus he offers us another way. A different way out. It seems harsh at first, but Jesus' barrage of questions to the disciples and thusly to us gives an alternative to those pervasive thoughts and a way out of the spiritual dullness that they bring. Verse 14. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousands, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? When the disciples couldn't understand what was happening or what Jesus meant, their minds went to bread, not to sin. They weren't thinking about that. So Jesus asked them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? They could only see what's on the surface. So Jesus questions them in order to train them not just to chastise them and make them feel like jerks, although they were. Jesus' questions fall into four basic categories. Questions for the mind, questions for the heart, questions for the spirit, and questions on the history. So Jesus begins with their minds. Do you not perceive or understand well, perceive or understand what exactly? Was it just about, we've only got this one loaf of bread, and that, by my math, is enough to feed a thousand people, right? And there's only 13 people in a boat. I think one's plenty. One loaf plus Jesus equals enough, right? 
He's asking them if they could perceive or understand what was true. And what was, what was true about, uh, what was true here is that Jesus is Messiah, right? And they were in his care. He, he was the shepherd. They are the sheep. They didn't need to worry about bread or provision or anything else. He had everything under control. Don't you understand who Jesus is? He's got you. The same question is true of us. Do you understand what is true about who Jesus is and what your relationship is to him and with him? Understanding that truth will chase off spiritual dullness and death. And Jesus moves from their minds to their hearts. He says, are your hearts hardened? He's asking them, how will you respond to what you know is true? You can know the truth, but how do you respond to it? It's not just facts. Jesus is the Son of God and has taken them as his own. Does that pull at the strings of your heart? I like to look at it this way. We all understand that gravity works, right? Here we are, stuck to the floor. It's working. We don't go flying up into space. Our car stays on the road. Cool, right? I like it. I've always been a fan. It's always been that way. Gravity's just always been there. Always worked. Stop there. Gravity, cool. Whatever. Shrug your shoulders as if it's no big deal. That's the condition of the hardened heart. The hardened heart says, eh, gravity. But if you move beyond the fact that gravity works and stop and think about how gravity works, your appreciation for the truth that gravity works at all explodes. Right? That's the opposite of a hardened heart. Wonder. The fact that gravity works is terrific. But how that works? Ah, it's bigger than me. Yes, Jesus is Messiah. That's the condition of a hardened heart. Jesus is Messiah, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, the one who holds your atoms together, loves you, died for your sin in your, on, in your place on the cross, eh. that's a hardened heart. But when you start to deal with, pardon the pun, the gravity of that truth, <laughs> I, that's not in the notes, honestly. When you start to deal with that, that's a soft heart, and it changes your perspective. Jesus then moves on to questions of the Spirit. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? This is a challenge to see beyond the physical, to see beyond the end of your nose. A challenge to appreciate that the Lord is, wor is at work 
even if you don't understand how or why. To look beyond the surface, to dig in and see more than just the words, but to get at the meaning of the words. To hear beyond the sound of Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. Listen for the voice of God in his word. And then there's a question of history. And I think we talked about this last week. And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousands, how many basketful of broken pieces did you take up? And they said twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. This is a challenge to remember. Remember what he has done. He has provided before. He will do it again. He's delivered you from trial before. He will do it again. He has dragged you through the keyhole of tribulation. He will do it again. The things you thought you couldn't endure, he will deliver you again. Don't forget what he has done. He will do it again. And all this to answer Jesus' main question. Do you not yet understand? Do you not understand that it's not about your outward performance or looking spiritual for other people? Do you not yet understand that it's not about what other people think of you or what is socially acceptable? Do you not yet understand that it's about what is true, what is really true, not people's opinions of truth? That it's about how you respond to that truth? That's about looking beyond the physical realm to see the spirit at work? Do you not yet understand? We would all do well to pause and consider, to remind ourselves of his goodness and his faithfulness, to examine ourselves and the purity of our own doctrine, to consider what the Bible actually says. Not just our interpretations, our biases, our traditions, what we heard someone else say. And to consider what Jesus has actually done for us in his teaching, on his cross, and through his empty tomb. Do you not yet understand? Let's pray. Father, this word a challenge for us this morning. A challenge to consider if we're just going through the motions. A challenge to consider that there's more going on than we can see and that you are in control of it and we can trust you. Lord, we're no different than these disciples, short-sighted, weak faith, don't understand what's really going on. But we thank you, Lord, that you have made available your Holy Spirit 
to interpret for us your truth, our circumstances, our history. Father, remind us of your faithfulness to us, what you have done for us. Thank you for the comfort, the promise you will do it again. Lord, we love you. We ask this word would penetrate our hearts. And we would truly appreciate and we would truly understand and perceive who you are, what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.